0: Hey there, this is Joshua Porter with another episode of the Elite Seller Show. Today's guest is a good friend of mine. His name is Ian Smith. So if you don't know anything about Ian, he is the CEO of Evolve Media. He has a massive YouTube channel that you can easily check out. Just go hop on YouTube, type in Evolve Media. That's E-V-O-L-V-E, media. He does everything from off Amazon marketing, rebate strategies, chatbots, Google ads, Facebook ads, etc., He's a really good friend of mine, and I'm glad to have him here today. Today, in this segment of Swift Kicking the Ads, we're going to be talking about three strategies for off-Amazon marketing. So, Ian, I'll let you take it from here.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Josh. I'm pretty excited to talk about some of the strategies that I talk about a lot on my YouTube channel. You know, to be honest, I'm not really sure if I will show up in the search results for if they search Evolve Media. So, if they just type in, like, Ian Smith and then Amazon or... Ian Smith, Amazon strategies, then I'll come up. But uh, but yeah, so let's jump into it with the first strategy, which I would say is ads, right? Google ads, Facebook ads. Now with Google ads, I tend to lean more towards Google ads these days because it's more specific. People are actively searching for specific keywords or some specific product, and then that Google ad can link them either directly to your Amazon listing page or to a landing page where they can opt in to get a promo code download you know to They give you their email address, they get a promo code, then they go use it on Amazon. But if you go straight from a Google search ad to an Amazon listing, Amazon is going to see that traffic coming from Google and they're going to like it. So if you use a special keyword that's going to give you some keyword juice, some keyword boosting, then that's going to give you a little bit of ranking power. And so that is basically Google ads. You know, you have somebody that's actively searching for something, click on it over to your Amazon listing. Conversion is then going to come down to how well does your Amazon listing convert if you get a bunch of reviews and all that kind of stuff. But Facebook ads, on the other hand, a lot of people are still you know, excited about Facebook ads, but I'm kind of losing love for Facebook <laughs> just because the cost of advertising on Facebook is going up so much. And it just doesn't, you know, their pixel is losing power that, the effectiveness of the ad, the cost per clicks are just going way high. And so I'm just not a huge fan of Facebook anymore.
0: So would you say that people are more in a buying mood when they go and search for a product on Google versus when they try to hunt for a product on Amazon through some kind of rebate ad or some kind of coupon ad? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, about buying patterns?
1: Yeah, I would say when comparing Google to Facebook, they're definitely more in a buying mindset mindset on google and searching on google than they are on facebook but if you compare google to amazon i don't know i mean i think amazon takes the win on that one because they're in amazon they're literally on a shopping platform searching for their exact product so amazon ppc ads is going to always be your best and most powerful ads to run like when we run amazon ppc ads our a cost is is very low and our ROAS, our return on ad spend is usually between 4 to 6 where with Google ads it's going to be lower so they're actively searching for something on Amazon which is going to you know give you that already heads up in advance but with Google if you're running those kind of ads, you do want to mess around with Amazon attribution links so that you can see some kind of transparency into what ads and links and campaigns are working best for you. So you can, you know, see, you know, which keywords are working and, and things like that. But you definitely want to have some kind of tracking in the background. And then I'm also a big fan of residual value. So if you drive them to a landing page, are you getting their email address? You know, what kind of data can you collect from them? Even if you just get them pixeled for retargeting purposes. Mm-hmm. What can you get if they don't end up
0: actually purchasing? So essentially what you're doing is you're running Google ads to a landing page, collecting their information, then offering them a unique promo or asking for an order ID and then sending them over to Amazon so that we can still get that rank juice for a particular product. And I imagine that the best utilization of this is, are you still u- using it for rebate strategies or is it just individual keywords? How are you going about utilizing these strategies?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it can be for a lot. It can be for just straight ranking. You know, like I said, where you have like a keyword keyword. Juiced URL and then some keyword attribution is going to come from that. You can do it with rebates, but if you're going to run Google Ads for rebates, then here's the strategy I would recommend. Okay, so you still have a landing page, but on that landing page, you have a chatbot. Now, I know when people think chatbot, they think of many chat and they think of Facebook Messenger, but I'm more getting into landing page chatbots using a tool called Landbot. So, what this chatbot allows you to do is basically embed an actual chatbot on a landing page, there's no way for them to type in anything. So the errors and deviations that a user can take are like significantly just gone because they can't actually type something in. The only time they're gonna be able to type something in is when you let them, by letting them fill out a form field Mm -hmm. or click a button and things like that. So you drive them to a landing page, on this landing page is a chatbot, walks them through and explaining them your rebate process, gives them the terms, tells them, hey, you're gonna go click on here, then you're gonna come back to this page after you order on Amazon, then you're gonna give us your order ID, and then we can link that chatbot with your Seller Central account, and we can automate the actual order verification process, and then automate the actual payment process through a number of different ways. But basically that's the strategy is Google Ad, two landing page, they go through the chatbot. they buy on Amazon, they come back, verify their order, and then they get their actual gift card or however you want to go about rebating them. But um, that strategy has been working pretty well.
0: So it's actually a pretty unique strategy. And I definitely like the idea of that, especially with the simple fact that they just are essentially following prompts and if, if only ManyChat actually put that in, in place where people just opt into an ad and they just don't start typing away. But I, I think they want that freedom and that liberty to have people in Messenger be able to have a conversation if necessary. But uh, the way that LandBot sounds like it's set up is very unique. And it sounds like it can fit almost any single platform. Uh, especially when it comes to these kind of strategies. Uh, I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit more on Google ads, because I know that you've been talking about it extensively on your YouTube channel. What do you see are the massive benefits to Google ads and how do they compare to uh, PPC ad campaigns on Amazon? So Google
1: ads has this really cool campaign called a smart campaign. It does rely on conversion tracking. So if you're driving them to a chat bot with the rebate example, you want to have some kind of conversion event get fired so that that information can be sent back to Google and Google can know, hey, we sent a successful conversion through. So the chatbot, that's another little pro for LandBot is that you can actually fire some kind of conversion event using some kind of JavaScript code, some kind of external PHP code. You know, you can, you can do a lot of different codings with these chatbots with LandBot, but you can't do that with Minichat, which has always been a frustration of mine because I want to be able to track my conversions because that's how the ads perform a lot better. Mm-hmm. That is a beauty of using Google and this land bot, chat bot, landing page bot is that you can track conversions, and then you can run a Google smart campaign. And so far, when we run Google smart campaigns, optimizing for either sales or for leads, and we split test that against your regular Google conversions campaign, you know, this is all search type of uh, campaigns that I'm talking about here, Mm -hmm. but whether it's just a Google conversions campaign where you're just targeting certain keywords, these smart campaigns have worked like, 90% 90% of the time, have gotten us lower cost per conversions, a much higher click-through rate. You know, with Google Ads, average click-through rate that you're going to look for is about a 3%. With these smart campaigns, man, we're getting like 6 to 10% click-through rates, which is going to drop down your cost per click. And I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, basically, it's the Google artificial intelligence that is serving your ads wherever i don't even know they don't even really give you that much information as to where it's being served you really are limited on the amount of keywords that you can actually put into this kind of campaign Mm -hmm. you can literally only put in like seven to ten keyword phrases where with the old school way of google campaigns you can put in like hundreds of keyword phrases and you would then do like a phrase match or an exact match but I really am loving these smart campaigns, but you do need to have some kind of conversion tracking capabilities.
0: Okay, So obviously, built-in conversion tracking is not all the way there in Google as of yet especially with this 3% click-through rate that you're talking about on Google ads. What I've noticed with my own click-through rate on Facebook ads, when I run my own campaigns, either for myself or for my clients, is that I get around a 3% click-through rate on that. I want to talk about the cost per click uh, versus Google and Facebook. And why do you see that it's going up on Facebook and also going down on on Google? Man,
1: you know, with Facebook... It could be a lot of different things. And I'm just speculating here. But like one thing could be, I believe a lot of people are leaving Facebook, I believe Facebook as a platform is kind of dying. It's it's not as high traffic numbers. And, and this is just, you know, my personal opinion, the data could definitely show something else. But I believe not as many people are spending as much time on Facebook consuming content. When you look at TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter even is kind of making a bit of a comeback. So people are spending their time consuming content on these other platforms. So if they're not spending their time on Facebook, then it just comes down to supply and demand. There's not as much supply there for Facebook to run ads on users, but the demand is still pretty much there. I mean, there's a lot of advertisers and companies that still want to run Facebook ads. So when you look at supply and demand, there's not as much supply and there's a higher demand then that's going to increase the cost of your reach cuz Facebook ultimately charges based on impressions or ads served. They don't charge on the cost per click. Mm-hmm. So, it's just more expensive to reach people through Facebook now and also Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then it's also going to come down to your campaign objective. So if you're using a conversions campaign versus a traffic or a reach or you know, you're going to see a much different cost per click on those different campaign objectives. You know, you run the traffic campaign optimizing for link clicks and you'll get a very low cost per click like 30 to 50 cents, but it's just not quality traffic. I mean, we've spent thousands on running traffic campaigns and our cost per actual conversion like a cost per purchase is pretty high. It's it's not that great. So, usually we do like to run Facebook conversion campaigns, optimizing for either add to cards, purchases, initiate checkout, something like that. Some kind of conversion event that's going to happen a lot so that we can get a lot of data back to Facebook. But we're seeing issues there as well as far as data getting back to Facebook because Facebook has been going through this changeover and transition with their pixel. Now you need to like link a domain. And I believe that their pixel is not firing as good as it used to. We used to get so much more like when we would look at website visits versus actual pixel activity on just the in the events manager, you look at the actual pixel activity. Now you're seeing a big discrepancy between okay, there's 1000 website visitors, and there was 800 or 500 pixel page views, actually fired. So there's a lot of reasons for it. But this bottom line is I'm not the biggest fan of Facebook anymore these days.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. A lot has changed on Facebook over the years, especially with everything that happened in 2020. That definitely affected the way that people advertise. A lot of ad accounts were getting shut down, especially for Amazon sellers. And that was just a massive frustration. But then a lot of people were spending a ton of time on social media. So the conversion rate definitely did go down. But the shakeup has been permanent, and it has affected a lot of businesses, and it's affected a lot of the, a lot of other platforms. I do want to talk to you about uh, the uniqueness of the Google Pixel. What makes it stand out to you versus the Facebook pixel? Well, Google conversion
1: tracking, you can use Google Analytics. Mm. And when you put Google Analytics on your landing page or on your website, and then you combine Google Analytics with your Google Ads account and you kind of connect those, mm. I believe you're getting a lot more transparency between the data, the visitors, the demographics, the age, the gender, like all kinds of information on the people visiting your website through Google Analytics that you're not getting with Facebook. That's for sure. Facebook cut back dramatically on the amount of data that they're giving their advertisers as far as Okay, so let's say you have 50 conversions, purchase conversions showing for this one campaign, and then you go into the breakdown and you try to look at, okay, what age range was those conversions? What gender, what state? And Facebook used to give you all kind of information on those actual conversions. Now it's all gone. So you have no idea. It'll show you 100 Add-to-Carts, but it won't show you what age range those Add-to-Carts came from and... Mm -hmm. So it gets a little bit tricky when you're trying to actually take that data and then optimize from it and launch new campaigns using that data. But with Google, it's a lot clearer to see, okay, this age range, 25 to 35, is giving us some really great clicks and some really great conversions and stuff. So let's go ahead and just target that that age range and and see what kind of results we get.
0: Yeah, and and I think one of the biggest contributors to Facebook's lack of information now was, was when they were very transparent about all the data that they had and the whole Cambridge Analytica a uh, scandal happened where you know Mark Zuckerberg was in court telling a bunch of people in congress what facebook does and <laughs> trying to help them troubleshoot how to fix their phones but also the simple fact is facebook makes money by running ads and collecting data yeah an interesting fact is the rise of other social media platforms and how they are stealing away ad traffic from Facebook, and it's actually transferring in other places. What do you see as the next emerging marketplace for social media ads?
1: I personally would say TikTok. I think TikTok has made massive gains when it comes to user base and how much time they're taking and keeping as far as attention. So me personally, I mean, if I go into like my battery settings in my phone and I look at which apps. I'm spending most time on. TikTok is definitely up there. I'm a big YouTube watcher, so I do spend a lot of time on YouTube and TikTok. When I go to Facebook, it's really just for a quick check of the notifications, maybe a few minutes of scrolling, and then I'm gone, and then I'm back to TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with, with Facebook and Instagram, you have to go seek out the information that you wanna consume on those platforms. Then you gotta follow them, and you kinda have to do a good amount of work yeah. to set up your feed to be some good content that you want to consume. Well, TikTok serves that up for you, their algorithm finds that content based on what your likes are and the attention span you've given other videos and your shares. And I don't know exactly how TikTok is doing it, but they are doing really well with serving me content that I really like and enjoy, which is keeping me on their app longer. And they are beefing up their ads platform. Mm -hmm. I haven't really spent much time on running ads in TikTok just yet. I'm still trying to understand the platform as far as content goes and time on the actual length of videos and Um, how to just best go about growing a TikTok channel. I'm really not even like there yet. I'm still just kind of lurking and consuming content. My main platform that I'm really trying to focus on is YouTube. And I think any kind of content creator, if you're trying to grow a business on the back of content, you really should just go all in on one platform. Don't try to spread yourself too thin and like keep your Instagram page updated and your Facebook page updated. I mean, the organic reach on those platforms is garbage anyway these days. You got to pay to play really when it comes to Facebook and Instagram these days. But YouTube and TikTok, you still have some organic reach that you can make and, and grab grab some free attention basically. But I mean, even that window is kind of closing. A lot of these platforms are turning into like pay to play. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to answer your, your question in a really long way, I'd say TikTok is definitely an emerging platform.
0: That's good, that's good. Because it sounds like uh, TikTok, is, TikTok and uh, YouTube, obviously their main form of giving out media is through video. And TikTok is, again, with everybody's attention span shrinking. TikTok is pushing out video after video, and you can just kind of get into a vegetative state and just consume content. And the same thing with YouTube, obviously, because you can just have videos play consistently, and you could just go down a YouTube wormhole. But with Facebook and Instagram, you kind of have to set up the way that you want to have your content served. And it may not always be in the way that you like. Would you say that video is taking the place of static ads and ad copy? And what, what what's your thoughts on the engagement rate versus video and ad copy?
1: Well, I would definitely say it comes down to the platform because Facebook ads, we have seen our image ads do way better than our video ads Mm -hmm. as far as all metrics, cost per click, click through rate. So image ads with a little bit of copy, and we've been actually doing some split testing between an image ad with like zero copy, like literally just an image and then the headline copy below it Mm -hmm. versus an image ad with some post description copy and a headline. And what's weird is that the image ad with no copy in the post description and just a headline copy gives us the best results so far with our split testing. So it seems like the lesser amount of copy is getting great click. And and I guess I kind of get it. I mean, if, if it's curiosity driving, if they're wanting to click to then learn more about it, maybe that's why we're getting better clicks and better conversions on those. But what I like about that strategy is that we craft these landing pages to have the best graphics video photo copy headlines, you know, we really build out these landing pages to to have a lot more content than the ad would. So yeah, I want to just get them to that landing page, get them pixeled, so we can retarget them and stuff and then get them consuming the longer form content on that page. Because I believe you can definitely get them to consume more content and get them to stay longer on a page versus an actual ad, you know, t- typically, average visits on a website on a page is about a minute and a half. So that's like industry standard that I've seen. People will stay on a page for about a minute and a half. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, if you think about an actual Facebook ad, somebody staring at an ad for a minute and a half—that seems a bit long. But Facebook doesn't share that info, so we have no idea how long people are looking at an ad.
0: Yeah, I've actually noticed similar results when I actually uh, when I run ad campaigns for any of my clients that I work with or through through a late Seller, is that. A static image is working far better than video and video content on YouTube. If it's, excuse me, on Facebook, if it's not, primarily funny or controversial people aren't really going to stop for it especially if you're just running any kind of product promotion ad nobody's really going to put that much focus and attention into it because it requires them to stop watch and then find out more right where something like a static image with just a little bit of description in it that's enough information right there to get get them hooked and that's a thumb stopping ad that's going to get them to convert hopefully uh, and go through the entire process Uh, What I would like to know in your personal experience is what do you find the best ways to re-engage buyers afterwards, after a purchase?
1: Man, well, there's a lot of strategies that we do that are um, a little risky, you know, just full transparency. They are a little risky because of Amazon's terms and everything, but inserts, it seems like everybody's doing an insert these days, but they forget that inserts are not technically in line with TOS. So Amazon's TOS is you can only communicate with the customer through the Amazon platform. So that's the only communication channel. Mm -hmm. So any kind of communication outside of the platform is technically against TOS. So a lot of these inserts will say, Email our support team if you're dissatisfied, you know, and they give you their actual company email mm-hmm. or get another item for free by going to this website or you know, tons of different. So the insert strategy, it definitely works. And it's something that I personally believe every Amazon seller should be doing. Mm-hmm. But there are other strategies like you can actually export out your Amazon names and addresses, you know, you can you can get that data out. It is a little bit tricky. And again, it's not super in line with, with TOS. So full transparency, you know, it, it is a risk. But once you get that name and address out, then you can either send them a mail or postcard. You can upload that information to Facebook and create a Facebook custom audience to target them with Facebook ads. You can take that name and address and you can do an email append or a phone number append. And you can see out there in all the directories on the, you know, public records, in, on the internet, what emails and phone numbers are associated with this name and address. You can get those, and then you can either email them directly, you can SMS text them directly, you can upload that to Google. Google requires an email and a phone number to actually create their custom audiences. Okay. So you can target them with Google Ads. But really, getting the data out of Amazon is what opens the door to the opportunities of then reaching your customer off Amazon. But if you don't do any of that, and you don't pull the data out of Amazon, then really your only option is an insert. If you don't want to do an insert, then you might as well just be okay with Amazon keeping all of your customer information and, uh, you know, just having Amazon as a cash flow, you know, just just basic cash flow because you're not doing any kind of like long-term growth from it. And your customer can easily be stolen from one of your competitors with a simple PPC ad.
0: That's an interesting uh, it's an interesting point that you make when it comes to Google's custom audiences versus Facebook's custom audiences, because uh, with Facebook, technically, all you really need to make a custom audience is essentially their state, their city state, and zip code. And it'll do somewhat of a match rate. The more data that you obviously add to it with their name and their email address and their phone number makes it more accurate. But Google, on the other hand, is actively asking you for their email, their phone number, their name and address would you say that Google's audience building platform and their ads is far more efficient than Facebook's? Or what are your thoughts on that?
1: I definitely would think so. And it's because like Gmail, like who doesn't use a Gmail account? Like I would say the, the amount of people that are using Gmail email addresses, mm-hmm. man, if I was to put it in, like if we were to create a big old circle, I would say at least 80% of the emails out there. And I'm just guessing, but like a lot of people are using gmail and when you use gmail for your google chrome or for just your email or for your calendar or for all the different suite they're collecting data on you so if we throw into google hey here's a gmail address then the match rate with that gmail address has got to be like a hundred percent right because they can easily see that Gmail address and then they would just say, hey, yeah, next time this user is logged in, you can hit them with a display ad or you can hit them with a text ad inside their actual Gmail email area. So I would say Google match rate is, pretty legit if you can at least provide the the email address.
0: And outside of doing uh, Google match rates and Google audience ads, what are some other ad strategies that you're rolling out that you see to be massively beneficial for Amazon? Are you working with anything in email? Are you doing anything SMS? Are you touching on any other platforms that have a massive social engagement following?
1: Yeah. So email is definitely still pretty powerful and it's one of the lowest cost ways to reach your customer, but it also requires you to have their email address. Now, if you get them to Give you their email address, that's going to be your highest cost way of acquiring that email address, but it's going to be a pretty quality relationship there. I would say it would range anywhere from five to 10, even up to like $20 cost per email if you actually get them to opt in. If you do an email append, like I was telling you about earlier, that's going to give you a cost at about 10 cents cost per email record. Now you do have to have their name and address in order to then append to get their email, but email 10 cents cost per email record. You do have the approach of it being a cold approach. They didn't give you their email, so they may be a little bit more guarded mm-hmm. when you try to reach out to them. Yeah. It may even just bounce. It may be an inaccurate email or maybe an email that they don't use anymore or something. Maybe maybe it just goes straight to their junk folder, but email marketing is still pretty good even with all that that i just said sms marketing is like the wild west sms to me my opinion of sms these days is how many chat was back in 2018 it's like the Wild West. Like there are no like rules and restrictions. Like you can grab some phone numbers, you can send them a message. You're not gonna get your page shut down. You're not gonna get into massive trouble. Mm-hmm. Or at least the risk is very low because I don't believe that there is a lot of policing going on right now with SMS marketing. So I highly recommend. I mean, I was kind of against SMS for the longest time because it is slightly intrusive, mm-hmm. but With the last presidential campaign that just happened, I mean, I got blown up with text messages about who I was gonna vote for, you know, different things like that. I'm still getting blown up with different marketing companies and, and things like that. But I do think that SMS text marketing is a blue ocean. And there's a lot of opportunity there to reach customers and not necessarily risk the whole 24 hour rule, getting a page shut down, you know, making people mad. So, getting zucked. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would definitely recommend testing around with SMS, even on a, a small level. Now, SMS is more expensive than email marketing, just with Clavio pricing. If we're just looking at, you know, Clavio is one of the few email platforms that also offers SMS. Mm-hmm. I think I was looking at pricing the other day, and it was going to be like, it's going to be about three times more expensive for SMS than email. So, if you have a thousand email addresses, and that would cost you. 50 dollars per month and these are just hypothetical and then you had a um, thousand phone numbers that would probably cost you about a hundred and fifty dollars per month Significant. so it is expensive to do sms marketing right now but your open rate is going to be way bigger way higher your engagement rate, your reach. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no junk folder with SMS marketing. It's actually going to get delivered unless it's like a landline or something. But that's also how I feel about direct mail marketing. Direct mail marketing is still pretty powerful, but you have to have the right strategy. You can't just hit people one time and expect them to just flood in. With direct mail marketing, you do have to hit them multiple times and there is not a junk folder in the mailbox. So chances are it is going to get received. Mm -hmm. Now they may read it and throw it away right away, or they may read it and then put it on their desk and now it's on their to-do list and they walk by it and they see that mailer like five times a month or a couple times a week. And so that's free retargeting that you're getting, or they may just give it to their friend and now you just got like a free share so direct mail, I still see some potential with SMS and with with email. Those are definitely strategies that should be tested by a lot of Amazon sellers.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to put together the lines on your strategy, and I think it's actually really interesting, especially if you're running a Google ad to a landing page that has a land bot and you ask for their phone number, their email address, as well as their mailing address to send them some kind of special offer, how you can hit them up on all three. So they're essentially expecting this kind of information to come through. And the lifetime customer value that you can get off of that must be phenomenal, especially when you just want to re-engage them over and over again, because now you can hit them up on Google on multiple occasions. You can hit them up via SMS on multiple occasions and email on multiple occasions. How many unique points of contact would you say that you'd have to reach out to somebody uh, through a cold uh, cold blast to get them to engage?
1: So cold blast, you want to be somewhat conservative Mm -hmm. because you want to be respectful, right? If you're going to cold blast email them or SMS them, what you should do is hit them and get them to opt in. So hit them with an email and say, we'd love to give you 30% off your next order from us come over here to give us your name and email again to opt in for this 30% off code. And then once they give you an email a second time, now you're in and you can market to them 10 times, 20 times in the following months. Same with SMS, get them to give you their phone number again to opt in, to you know, legitimately opt in now, mm-hmm. then you can continue to market to them. But if you're just hitting a cold list, I mean, I wouldn't really recommend mm-hmm. hitting them more than twice Um, cold because, again, you could just really make them mad and you don't want them to have a a negative image of your brand and product and service. Yeah, you don't want
0: that negative buyer experience. It's just going to sour the entire move, And especially if you hit them up uh, an additional time, that's where you could just be essentially crossing the line, get your phone number blocked, get it reported, get the email uh, marked as spam. And that could just cause a heap load of trouble for your business, especially if you Get put in that spam bucket. I, I want to know what kind of strategies you're actually using for Google Ads direct to Shopify. Are you targeting it where it's just a uh, small percentage off, or are you just targeting people based on interest? What are your What are your uh, strategies in regards to Shopify? So Google Ads to
1: Shopify, you gotta first things first is make sure you have conversion tracking set up in the most accurate and legitimate way. That's been a uh, a bigger issue. You know, Google and Shopify. It doesn't seem like they're playing super nice just yet. It's not the easiest, like setting up conversion events with Facebook is a lot easier than setting up conversions with Google, in my opinion. So you want to make sure that your conversion tracking is set up and it's accurate and it's happening perfectly. Then I would say test around with the smart campaigns that I mentioned, optimizing for purchases for multiple different campaigns. Now you can put in different variations of ad copy. So you can put in like four different ad copy variations. You can put in like multiple images with these smart campaigns. You can run, uh, with, with Shopify, you have the ability to run Google Shopping campaigns. You can do Google Display. And then YouTube campaigns, with Google, I would say it's mostly going to be for staying top of mind, brand awareness, um, just reminding them because the cost per click with the YouTube ad is like sky high. Like not many people click on YouTube ads. If anything, they're just looking for that skip button. Mm-hmm. Driving traffic with a YouTube ad is pretty expensive and not super fruitful. So you got to look at YouTube ads as more of like a brand awareness, more of like a top of mind, just staying out there in front of your customers. It may work better as an actual retargeting strategy versus like a cold traffic strategy. But Google is pretty legit. (laughs) Google works pretty well, you just need to test around and find the strategy that's going to work for you. You're not just going to launch one campaign, and then immediately out the door, just see great success. You know, you need to test around with the different campaigns, the different campaign objectives, maybe launch a search campaign, testing with different keywords, different ad copy.
0: Okay. And your summation on Shopify, you would say that Facebook is probably a little bit of an easier platform to work with when it comes to Shopify ads than with Google. Um, I would imagine, especially with the integrations that Facebook has specifically for Shopify, creating Facebook shops and having that directly go to your Shopify store, that's a little bit of an easier setup because at that point in time, they already have the brand awareness, they have a Facebook page, they've taken the time to build a shop, they're obviously selling products on it, and then they can just funnel all traffic either to the website, to Shopify, or to the Facebook page where they can just get hit on multiple engagement points with the type of products that they're offering and the services that they're bringing to the table.
1: So my opinion on Facebook ads is it's better for retargeting mm-hmm. than with cold traffic. Okay. So you get people to visit your Shopify store through your Google ads. Um, through keywords that they've searched, mm-hmm. you get them pixeled with your Facebook pixel, then you retarget them with Facebook and Instagram ads, and you get them to come back and complete the sale and, and buy again. That's where I've seen the best mm-hmm. Facebook performance, especially in the B2B category. B2B just seems very poor. <laughs> it's... it's When, I'm, when we run b2b facebook ads cold traffic targeting it just doesn't work out that well but retargeting with facebook b2b and b2c gives us probably the best results and then yeah you got the conversion tracking and then also you can do a product catalog and you can do dynamic product ads so if they looked at specific products on your shopify store you can retarget them and show them an ad showing them those exact products that they looked at those are pretty powerful
0: yeah i think that's actually a pretty unique approach especially that you have that set up that way. What I'd like to pick your brain on real quick is what kind of ad strategies were you doing for your clients on Prime Day to get them prepped?
1: I mean, so one thing that I recommended was just putting a coupon on your actual listing so that users can just clip that coupon and then get a little bit of a discount. But with short-term deals and promotions like that, ads are not really the best way to go about it. So that's where you would just do an email blast. Mm -hmm an email marketing campaign or an SMS campaign, telling them, hey, we got our product X percent off for Prime Day, so click here to take advantage of our sale now. So with short-term deals, email and SMS is really the best way to communicate out the deal.
0: And what about long-term strategy versus short-term strategy when it comes to Google?
1: When it comes to the Prime Day stuff?
0: No, no, just Google Ads in general for product campaigns.
1: Um, so long-term strategy would be lower spend and just constantly showing up for those search results, those keywords, because that's the thing with Google search campaigns is that you're at the liberty of the actual search volume of those keywords. And when you look up data on specific keywords, they're giving you the volume of monthly searches. So a specific keyword phrase may have 20,000 monthly searches. So that means that you should run a campaign monthly for those keywords in order to really capture a good amount of people and really capture a wide variety of people. So I would say slow and steady is the Google search strategy. Just make sure that you're ranking high over that period of time. And then if you wanna mess around with doing some organic ranking with Google, doing blog posts and stuff, you know that's, that's a whole nother thing. Me personally with organic ranking, I like to focus on YouTube, and try to organically rank high in the YouTube results Ultimately, if you rank high in the YouTube results, you will also rank, that video will rank high in the Google search results. I've had multiple people reach out to me saying that they found me from a Google search. They found my YouTube video from a Google search. So, yeah, that's that's just organic Google, though. But just slow and steady wins the race, I think, with Google search
0: ads. Okay. And uh, lastly, before we wrap up, how did you actually get into the Amazon game?
1: Oh, man. I think it was just slowly meeting more and more Amazon sellers, like we were mostly doing Facebook ads, and we were mostly doing Shopify and driving ads to owned websites. And then a lot of these clients said, Hey, I also sell on Amazon, can we try to drive some ads to my Amazon listings? And as we did that, then we started to, back in that time, that was like 2017. And we were, it was like a black hole, sending any traffic to Amazon was like a black hole, you had no idea if it converted if it did anything. So then we developed a tool that allows us to export out Amazon customer data, import it into Facebook so that we could at least track the performance of our ads when we send Facebook ad traffic over to Amazon. We could at least see which ad led to a purchase. Mm-hmm. And then we just built on that tool and it allowed us to then target people that, you know, retarget those Amazon customers with Facebook ads. Now we can actually extract that Amazon data and then offer it you know, names and addresses, emails, phone numbers, to be able to do outside, you know, the other marketing tactics, not just Facebook ads, but do direct mail, email marketing, SMS marketing, all that.
0: So yeah, you essentially just had your own, uh, you were still running your own agency, but then eventually people just started reaching out to you, asking you for assistance from driving traffic from their website, now to drive traffic on their products, on their product pages on Amazon. And that's essentially what led to the snowball of Ian at Evolve Media. That's actually a really interesting way that you got involved. You were already running your own agency, and then eventually you just got pulled into this. Now you focus on Amazon product launches specifically.
1: Well, yeah, and as Amazon grew and as more and more sellers were making money, we kind of just followed the money, followed the volume and uh, the requests of people wanting to rank higher, get more reviews, and so once we figured out, okay, this is what everybody focuses on, these two things, ranks and reviews, let's just figure out strategies and tailor our services to just help them get those two things.
0: And what do you say is going to be the most beneficial way to actually get more reviews on Amazon?
1: I think owning your customer data, being able to communicate with your customer off Amazon, so having their email address, their phone number, their name and address, you know, getting them to buy from your actual owned website, Having that communication channel outside of Amazon also helps you to drive your sales on Amazon, get reviews on Amazon, launch new products on Amazon, because you can then say, hey, we just launched a new product. Go buy that product. Here's a 10% off promo code. Go buy our newest product. Mm -hmm. And that's going to give you that sales volume that you need, that keyword attribution that you need, and then the reviews after they buy.
0: Uh, Lastly, I'll just say this. What are your thoughts on rebate campaigns versus product inserts? Obviously, getting product inserts and getting people to opt in through engagement, you're getting those organic purchases versus rebate campaigns where somebody's opting in cold and they may not be the best audience. What's the best way to navigate that tricky parallel where somebody might just only care about your products for free versus somebody that's purchasing a product organically and then you're offering them a small discount for another purchase.
1: The insert strategy is great. If you have sales happening on the front end, mm-hmm. some people just can't seem to get those sales on the front end. So nobody's even getting any insert of any kind. So rebates, they kind of rebates and inserts can work together really well because, and you don't have to do a hundred percent rebates. You can do a 50% rebate. Let's say your product is $20. You can say, mm. buy our product, get a free $10 gift card. And so you're not just chasing the freebie hunters, Mm -hmm. you're chasing people that are just kind of wanting a deal, but getting experimental with your rebate campaigns, you know, do a buy one, get one free, buy one, get two free Mm -hmm. campaign where they buy on Amazon and then verify their order. And then you send them out two additional bottles or um, one additional bottle, or, you know, you don't always have to even go with the cash rebate offer, but getting creative with it, I think that's what's going to weed out some of those abusers and some of those people that um, are lower quality customers, you know, is, is by kind of avoiding the 100% rebate gift card.
0: know, yeah, I've actually noticed that's, uh, that's a huge pitfall in the United States. But if you run any kind of ad campaigns in the UK or in Canada, they'll actively jump on a 35, 45 or 55% off promotion uh, while in the United States, they actually scoff at it. And it's like, it's not good enough for them, you know, even though the dollar is strong, but it's it's still, it's it's more about me, me, me versus I'm trying to help you and also help us at the same time. So with that being said, Ian, I'm so glad I got the chance to have you on this episode of the Elite Seller Show. If you guys are interested in checking out Ian's business, you can go over to evolvemedia.agency. That's E-V-O-L-V-E-M-E-D-I-A.agency, A-G-E-N-C-Y. You can check them out on YouTube. Uh, that's Ian Smith, Amazon. Check him out. He does have some unique services. And if you enjoyed this podcast, which I know you did, definitely come back next week for another episode. You can go check us out at eliteseller.com. That's www.eliteseller.com. And you can put in the code JOSH15 to sign up for a 15% off for life uh, promotional offer. Uh, we look forward to having you back next time. Thanks. Thanks a lot. No problem, man.